0: We uh, we stayed up till one o'clock last night talking uh, adult stuff. They, they have four kids. We don't have any kids at home, so uh, they enjoy just the adult talk. And uh, Ross, a couple months ago, said, hey, I'd love to come and hang out with your people and talk about what the Lord's doing in this season of my life, and... If you ha- haven't heard, you are playing it this morning, right? Yeah. The song, uh, there's a song that he has written that you hopefully have heard because I've put it up on uh, Facebook a couple times for you. But it has done extremely well on Spotify and other places, and uh, it's getting him some attention, which is good because he's able to share his story. And so he wanted to come share his story uh And with that, saying that, I'm just going to kind of let you go into what your story is. He was here uh, two, three years ago. For those of you that remember, he didn't come here on Sunday morning, but he did a house concert at the Ward's house for a handful of people that were here. And he stayed at our house, and we had significant conversation then. So uh, that was part of your story. So I'm going to let you go ahead and...
1: Yeah, thanks. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit today. We'll talk a little bit today about um, depression, anxiety, and other sorts of like uh, what I call emotional health stuff. Um, it won't be super heavy time, but I, but I, but what I've been trying to do is as I've realized that the church, meaning churches, aren't that good at talking about uh, uh, about it, and I don't quite exactly, I don't really know why, but it's just not something that's talked about all that much. So I've been trying to talk about it more. Just because I think it's needed, um, but here's my my basic story is that um, I wasn't a person who'd ever ever felt or experienced or identified any of that kind of stuff in, in my life. And when I, um, t- I so I turned forty, I'll, I'll I'll give you kind of the whole thing. I, I it was 2012. I turned forty in February. In April, I signed a like a publishing deal with a Nashville publisher, which was like. I thought was like, oh, now I'm going to be rich and famous or something. You know, it was foolish of me. But I, that was a big life changer for me. And then in May of that year, um, so, you know, February, I, I turned 40, which is kind of a thing for for people, you know. And then I signed this big career-changing deal. And then in May of that, of that same year, my dad uh, drowned in this accident. And my brother was in the midst of a divorce, a really ugly divorce. And so he really couldn't be any kind of helped to, to the family, and he was there with my dad whenever he died, so he he was kind of wrecked, so I felt this immediate pressure to be kind of the glue for my family, for my mom and, and whoever else and you know I went over to the house and knocked on the door late at night to tell my mom that her husband had died because my brother called me from the from the ocean and told me you know so anyway all, all that kind of cratered me into depression for the first time in my life, you know, and I want to be clear that that could have just been grief or difficulty. Not not everyone gets depressed because of something sad, all right? But for me, it was kind of a, that kind of pushed me. You know, that, that was the gateway or the on-ramp, right? And so I went through about four years of that, and I don't think I'm depressed now, and I think I'm better. But, you know, these things are kind of hard to pin down. But anyway, um, what I want to talk to you about today is, is 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 some of that. But one of the first things that kind of, came to me during that time that I think matters to us here um, is this a concept that I call the death of the life that you thought you would have, right? So, so my wife and I were in the car, maybe a year after my dad died, and I was depressed and struggling. And I got this phone call, doesn't matter, but it was a phone call from my dad's brother asking how he could help my mom, because he knew she was, in, she was in trouble. And he was wanting me to direct him as to how to help my mom. And I had some thoughts or whatever, and I got off the phone with him and I started crying. And my wife was like, why are you crying? I was like, I don't want to be in charge of any of this. And the pressure of it made me just like feel very, very small and weak and fragile. And she said to me something that was very profound in the moment. She said, I don't think you're actually even grieving your dad. You're grieving the end of the life you wanted. You're grieving the end of the life you thought you would have. And I say that to you today because that is something that everyone in this room either has or will experience. Has experienced or will experience maybe multiple times you'll have some way you think life is going to go. I mean, you you have a couple of these. Some way you think your life is going to go. And it may not be something as traumatic as a as a death, but it could be, but it turns your life off that that trajectory. And when that 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 happens, people are actually pretty good at helping you if someone that you know dies, they'll give a funeral, they'll have a you know meal train, they'll come hang out with you whatever. If it, it, there are various problems in life that that people are good at helping you with. But this one is lost on folks because they don't know that you're even doing it a lot, a lot of times. They don't know about this, and you don't know how to express it. And, and, and so I bring this up to, to, to say to you that if you're in a moment like that, and it's, and it's causing you grief and maybe falling in depression, anxiety, whatever, we have to be kind of people who talk about it and say, hey, the life I thought, I, thought that I was going to, to have, I, I don't have that now. You know? and, I'm, and I'm really sad, and it's making things really hard for me. And, and invite people into that story because quite often they don't even know. they Something happened to you, they helped you for a little bit, then they move on, right? That's the way, the way things are. But if you're not shaking this this other death, if you can't shake it, it, it can cause real problems in your fellowship, in your walk with the Lord, just in your daily life. You know. And I was struggling to just live life because I was so sad about the life i'd wanted which included my dad which which included my mom not needing you know any kind of help and and, and not like she's i'm saying i, I didn't i didn't think i had to be there as like a glue for my family and suddenly i was and and for me it just brought a whole lot of whole lot of shame and uh, i just didn't feel like a whole person you know um and you can jump in into me want to jump in if you have something to say but i just
0: but I always have something to say but go ahead well you can <laughs> well, I, I think for, for uh, well, one of the things that we deal with here in this group is it, there's a, a way of dealing with reactive and a way of dealing proactive. Right. And like Keith was up here in December, and he talked about exactly what you're talking about is the expectations, yes. is that we have expectations of how life is supposed to be, and most of the time those don't turn out like they're supposed to which sends you into that emotions and feelings. And so if we can learn to uh, drop our expectations, not completely wipe them out, but to, to bring them down. Uh, and I think the, the key word for us as believers is probably being satisfied. Being satisfied because uh, we know Jesus says you're going to suffer we know that he says we're going to suffer here on earth and and mainly that is because we live in a fallen world and we have a a savior that loves us and and lives inside of us and so it's going to be in contrast to a fallen world. And right, and we even have you know
1: what they didn't have until, you know, I don't know, not that many
0: years ago, we we can pull up our phone and
1: look at our calendar for a lot of years and plan out our calendar for a lot of years and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this happen. And that might seem minor, but you can get really locked into like the way your lo- the way your life's going to be. You right. know, we can plan ahead for things that are way, way, way out. We used to couldn't do that. You know, now, if you want to go on, on a vacation, you have to plan it out like a year in advance, you know? And so there's all these ways that we get adjusted to our life is going to be a certain thing. And that stuff might seem sort of trivial, but we do it with things that aren't so trivial too. You know, my, my kids are going to do this and my marriage is going to do this and my finances are going to do this, my career. And that stuff can change at any moment. And
0: Yeah, I think the it, thing that that scares me about this right here, what we're doing right here is this, is that it makes it sound like we've cornered the market on depression and anxiety and everything else. And the truth of the matter is uh, we we all deal with it. We all deal with it. So what we're trying to say is, hey, this is a common thing that I would say most everybody in this room is dealing with. And so to be able to talk about it, to be able to be transparent, Matt says there's no power in transparency, but I believe there's value in transparency mm-hmm. is in being able to be in a community to say, hey, this is this is where we are and we still struggle. I, you're not completely through it, are you?
1: Oh, no. And, and that's the thing is that, we we have all these strange um, kind of like prescriptions that we give to each other to fix it. You know Christians do especially. You know, hey, you know, and we just a little bit of judgment on all these prescriptions. Like if you read, you should here, here's some Bible verses you could read, or here's a you should pray. You know, and, and none of that stuff's bad. Like all that stuff is actually really good, and being with the church is really good. But there's there's a thing that happens, and I used to do this. And when I when I saw Rusty the, the last time, I was in the midst of a season. Where I was asking a question to myself all the time. That was an awful question that I, I would beg you not to ask yourself. And it's this: Why aren't you better? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I would I would look in the mirror and say, Why aren't you better?
0: You now know? they're all asking that question,
1: right? I know, <laughs> um, but don't ask that that question, you know, um, because for, for me that was like a a judgment upon myself that I wasn't I wasn't progressing fast enough, right? And and that that's that. I, you know, so much of this for, for me is about shame. I want to talk to you a little bit about shame uh, because whether you've got depression, anxiety, or never had any of that, uh, there are all kinds of ways that, that, that shame gets in there. Um, and, I, and I want to tell you a little bit about that and then I'm going to sing you a song. But, but basically, we, we have a problem with shame because we're one, because we're so judgy. If you go on Facebook, we're the, we're the judgiest people in the, in the whole world, and all that judgment's going to result in some shame. Um, but on top of that, a lot of us weren't taught how to deal with it, you know, uh, and in some ways we were, we were even taught to feel ashamed of, of shame. Um, but here's how Jesus did, deals with it. And I know this because of, of, a couple stories, um, and I'll, and I'll tell you my story related to these stories. I, I was in the, in the midst of my depression and I was working through it and I, I had written some lyrics, um, occasionally I'll write words to songs that I, that I want to write, Later, you know, I'll just write some words down and I won't know what the song is going to be. I'll just put some, put some words down thinking, oh, this is interesting, you know? And so I'd written some words about Zacchaeus, who's this guy, you know, in the Bible, you know, it's, this, 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 poor guy, he's only kind of known for being really short and kind of a cheat, you know, and that's his whole life, you know, but anyway, he's Zacchaeus and I'd written some words about how he basically hid up in a tree just so he could see Jesus, but he probably didn't want to deal with him. You know, he probably was like, I hope if he comes under the tree, I can kind of glean some of his goodness and then maybe he'll just keep going and I'll be better, you know, but instead Jesus, of course, you know, says, Hey, I'm going to come to your house. Right. And there's this other story I, I was writing some lyrics about. There was this woman who has this bleeding problem and she, she can't stop bleeding and it's embarrassing for her. And there's a story, I won't go into the whole thing, but it's a story about Jesus going, he's on his way to heal someone. He's been asked to heal someone, and on his way there, this woman knows knows who he is, and she has this bleeding problem, and she finds him in the crowd, touches his clothes, and there's this crazy story of him saying, hey, hold on, some power left me. It's all very science fiction, you know, and and sounds like it, you know, and and she touches his clothes, and and, and she gets better immediately and runs off, and he goes and finds her, you know. So anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd written these lyrics, and I wasn't even sure what they were for, and one day I was just in the midst of, like, why aren't you better, just feeling so much shame about it. And those lyrics, I'd put them on my desktop and I just saw them and I poked at them and just, you know, whatever my thing. And they opened up, you know, and I was like, these people felt shame. And the way Jesus dealt with it is he came to them and said, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. You know, Zacchaeus come to my house. The woman, he goes back to her and says, your faith is, has, has, has healed you. He interacts, he interacts with, with her in a very direct way. And, and, and at the same time, I was Trying to learn, kind of learning this concept that I'd seen in the Bible for years and not knowing what to do with, and this idea of the lifter of your head. I'd seen this in in the, in the Psalms, called calling God the lifter of your head, and I never quite understood what that phrase meant. And all this is all going on in this same period, and I'm realizing, you know, I by this time, you know, we we had children, and I realized, oh, my kids will come to me and they'll be ashamed, and they'll have their head down, and I'll go to them and I'll. I'll put my hand out of their chin, you know, and I'll lift up their head and I'll say, Look at me. It's okay. It's okay. I love you, you know? And I don't know if that's exactly what, what the scripture means, but, but man, I hope so. And, and so all that came together. Um, and I wrote a song and I'm going to play it for you. It's called Love is a Hammer.
2: There's something heavy. I've been dragging it around behind me. With every labored step and movement, it reminds me that I cannot escape. And I wanna give up, give in, pretend this cell I'm in is freedom. Keep my head down Don't give you a reason To look my way Cause I'm too ashamed To meet your eyes To speak your name swear that I'll be held in chains Bound in lies forever And I long to hear a sound Like something metal Being shattered Oh, shame is a chain, love is a hammer Some days I want to Find you in a crowd and sneak up right behind you Maybe touch your clothes and steal some power from you Sneak away again some days i'd rather hide out in a tree that you are walking under oh pray that you don't say you're coming over because i don't want to let you in oh but you don't wait to be invited you're kicking down my door with violent mercy Completely taken over, and I swear I hear a sound like something metal being shattered. Well, shame is a chain, love is a hammer. Whoa. The man beneath these chains is frail and fragile And I've worn them for so long that they feel natural The truth is I'm afraid But if anyone could understand it's you Cause on your feet and hands the proof Of what you did and how you suffered when the nails went in the sound of sin forever being shattered oh shame is a chain love is a hammer
0: I want to derail your conversation but in this city our mayor is doing this uh, mental health initiative and yeah. it's become a big deal and it's everybody's talking about it the schools are talking about it they've hired professionals in each school and and yada yada uh, oh, it's a crisis i mean well there's no doubt about it especially in this uh community uh suicide rate is is incredibly high and we're losing kids to this, and so it's it's a big deal, um, but inside of that, they've asked the faith community to to rise up. And as much as the city, the mayor is saying, "Come on, faith people!" He he can't really, you know, it's it's one of those things. Come come on, but don't come on type things. And so, as a, a church, we're trying to figure out how to do that. But that brings me to my question: is is in, in helping with depression, anxiety, there's a lot of remedies, both secular and faith. Can you talk about the balance of? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: look, if, you're, if, you're, if you think that you are emotionally off, one, um, if you think you are, you probably are. And you may have some some things you needed to work out, but just see someone, talk to someone. Even if it's not a professional, just start by telling someone someone here, hey, that thing they were talking about. I think probably I'm depressed, or I have some, you, you may not even know what to call it. But if you feel like you are in that place where you just aren't you, just talk to someone. Um, look, my wife and I have both been to lots of therapy, counseling stuff. We've we've been medicated uh, at different times. Um, None of that, I'm not, not proud of that or, or think you should do it. I'm just, I just wanna say it out loud so that in case you think people aren't supposed to talk about that, you can know that we, we've been through that. And at the same time, I, I believe that a lot of this is about finding stories bigger than yourself. And this is not me saying, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional, so I'm not telling you what'll fix you, okay? But I'm saying in the spirit in the kingdom, with with Jesus, one of the struggles that we have is just kind of turning everything inward and saying, I don't feel right, I'm off, you know, it's very, very me, I, and that's not bad, self-care is really important, and this is part of what someone's saying about balance, self-care is important, and there are people who act like it's not, it's very important. That concept may not even be talked about in church, but self-care matters, and one of the lies the enemy comes and wants to say to you is that when you're in this place, have, you have no business doing ministry. And that's the opposite of what's true. And, and as a matter of fact, when you're in this place, you're probably in a perfect place to be pouring out to pe- people. Not because you have so much to give, but because in your woundedness, you understand wounds. And in your lack, you, you, you identify with lack, Right? And so it 's not you coming and saying out of my abundance of everything i 'm giving a lot, though you do have the the abundance because jesus is is in you and the life that is truly life is in you, and the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is it, it, it is in you, but either way, your woundedness speaks to uh, uh, to, to other people 's wounds, and so finding a story bigger than you and, and so like and this is everything from just the gospel story, reminding yourself of the truth of this big big story that covers the whole earth and the and the history of the world, but also helping others, you know, staying involved in your whatever kind of groups you guys are, are meeting in and pouring out and, and being together. And, I mean, as cliche as it is, missional opportunities and ministry opportunities, doing those things, reminding yourself that other people have wounds too and are broken too and have problems too, that it's a very healing thing. And so, and there's other things too, but but I, I would just say that as you're, as you're seeking to get better, don't uh, ignore professionals if you need to deal with the professionals. And also don't, don't ignore the fact that in this body, Scripture says, and I believe with all my heart, that there is power for healing, real healing, real life. And that can be accomplished all kinds of ways, and it may take time. And the last thing I would say about that is if you're not struggling with these things, be looking for others who are because part of this is, you know, I get asked the question when I do this. What do you say to someone who's in an emotional health crisis? And I will say, well, I have something for them and I have something for the folks who live around them. And so if you know someone that you sense is in this kind of place, go to them and love them and say, you can, you can be broken with us. You know, and if they come over to your house and confess some difficulty, don't let them leave until they know that they're loved and that you're going to stick with them and that you got that you, you, you've locked arms with them for, for, their, for, the, for, for their health and for their life. Yeah, Because we, we get convinced everyone's tired of us, and they're done with us, and they don't want us around. And that's just, we, we have to speak against that.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, your point of others versus self, we live in a Google society where when we have issues or we have thoughts, we start Googling and Googling and Googling and seeing things, and it's all about us, 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 and you just go down this like deep, dark hole about, oh, you know, you get some uh doctor diagnosis or something and you just you and it all becomes me 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 but what you're saying is Jesus came here and he says it's about everybody else it's about it's not about me it's about others so if you can stop the googling i like to say uh, uh to zoom out on your focus if you zoom in you're going to get in trouble you're going to go down the deep dark hole but if you can zoom out and see the bigger picture of this thing, yeah, you've got issues, yeah, you've got struggles. But to be able to help others, it takes the focus off of our ourselves, which is exactly what Jesus did. as he he took the focus off of himself and put it on others?
1: And and, and here's something I want to speak to Just 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 briefly is that Jesus one of the great discoveries of my grown up life was that Jesus experienced extreme emotional situations and extreme emotions. I think we want to see him as this stoic who never had any kind of of a response to, to anything but, but strength. And 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 we think that because we think strength is holy and And maybe, like being more fragile is is sin or something right, and so I, I ran into these three stories i 'd known them my whole life, probably, but I kind of rediscovered them a few, a few years ago. One is that you know, you know Jesus, when his friend lazarus dies i won 't do the detailed story, but he shows up kind of late for for this thing, like he knows Lazarus is sick and he ends up coming late on purpose. but Lazarus has died and he and you know there 's a whole exchange where Martha is mad at him because he didn 't show up on time and and he's trying to explain to her, there's something bigger going on here, you know. And he goes to the tomb, and he cries, right? And I was talking to Rusty about this last night, and I was like, this makes no sense. He's going to bring the guy back in like a minute. Why cry if you know the guy's going to come back and be fine, right? And it just occurred to me, we oh, cried because death is still awful. Either way, if it lasts a minute, it's still awful. And, and I don't know why that's in there, but to me, it spoke... Hey, when people come to me and it's my pain and say it's going to get better, they're not wrong. But Jesus is more like saying, yeah, it'll, it'll get better and you can cry right now. And that's okay, right? And so I really, really hope you guys are free to grieve and mourn when you need to. Not, not indefinitely, but this, the, for the season of grief to do it. So that's one great story that you know, is in there to remind me that Jesus gets it, right? He gets my grief. And, 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 and a second one would, would, would be when he's in the temple, You know, he gets super angry about this thing in the temple, so angry that he acts kind of scary to these folks, right? And he runs some people out of the temple and all that. And Scripture says that he doesn't sin, so he got angry. So anger isn't – you can be angry, and it's not a sin. You don't – you know, Scripture even says, in your anger, do not sin, right? So there's a distinction there. And then third one, maybe the most poignant one of all, is he's in the garden praying. You know, he's got these guys who are supposed to be his buddies, and they fall asleep. They're not even praying for him. And he knows what's going to happen at the cross. And one of his disciples is about to show up and betray him to the whole, the whole the, the Roman government. And he's praying, and something so intense is happening in his emotions that he bleeds through his pores, right? And some kind of stress, or, or he's just overworked in some way. And again, not a sin. If all that stuff was a sin, then he, Jesus wouldn't have done it. You know, So I want to play a song for you about, about, all, about all that. It's called Good Company.
2: If sadness was a sin, Jesus never would have cried. But that's exactly what he did when his good friend Lazarus died. And he knew that he could raise him up. And still the Lord was sad enough to grieve. Heartache was a crime Consider Jesus in the garden When he knew it was his time And there was no better option And he had to take that cup And it stressed him out so much It made him bleed If you've ever been so You can barely breathe My friend You're in good company If anger is so wrong How about Jesus in the temple It doesn't sound like he was calm When he was knocking over tears. We know his heart was perfect So there must have been some purpose for it all If you've ever gotten mad at all The brokenness you see My friend You're in good comfort Will not let you go. Every tear that you have cried, every trial you have known, He's known it too. In the darkness, you are not alone. There is a presence that will not let you go. Every tear that you have cried. Every trial you have known, he's known it too. So if defending your own honor and fighting for your rights are really so important, how come Jesus gave his life to pay for our salvation? He let a bunch of fools portray him as a criminal. If you've ever been humiliated, misunderstood, ridiculed and hated, if you've ever gone through hell, faced the devil no one else could even see. My friend, you're in.
0: Every trial you have known, he's known it too. Uh, I want to share with you some bad news real quick. Uh, It's not new news to you, but you're going to be dealing with the power of sin in all your earthly days. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The power of sin is that sin that lives within our flesh doesn't make you evil. It, it's evil, but it doesn't make you evil. But it sends you terrible thoughts, and, and you're going to deal with it the rest of your life till this body goes down into the dirt. And so uh, that's depressing in itself. But what, as he just sat here and said, "My Savior." went through that same, he came here on earth in human form and he dealt with the power of sin. He dealt with it. By the, choice. Yes. In the wilderness, in the garden of Gethsemane, the, the evil one saying, don't go to the cross, don't go to the cross, don't go to the cross. And he wins victoriously. Now there's good news, all right? There is good news, is that he lives inside of us. He gives us the right. power, the power to overcome the devil's playground. The devil's playground being isolation when you're alone and all you're doing is thinking and the other playground for the evil one is three to 4am in the morning when he wakes you up in the middle of the night and all you can do is think because that is his game plan is to get you isolated alone outside of this community and thinking, thinking, thinking and Googling and dwelling down. That's his whole game plan. I write to you young men because you know how to overcome the evil one. You have to know the game plan. You have to know the game plan. Jesus came here. He went through it. And now he died, was buried, rose again. And he sent he sent a helpmate to you. A spirit that lives inside of you that helps you overcome the power of sin that dwells in our flesh. So we have the ability, that's the good news, to overcome this thing and today you can walk away from this morning going man they talked about depression and anxiety or or you go you know they really talked about the solution for depression and anxiety there's two two ways you walk out of this room today
1: right and part of that is to do like and we're almost done but i just want to tell you that for years the only way i looked at the cross and the resurrection was that it was that it it took me out of like you know I'm in trouble to uh, now and go to heaven or whatever, right? That's all I saw in it, which is a good thing. But, but there's something else about it. And and Rusty alluded to it. And that's this, that all of us have fear. We're all afraid of death and other fears. And what Jesus did was he knew this one thing that we're really afraid of death. He he knew that was there. And he was like, and and he, and he essentially said, I'm going to go face that one thing that you're all afraid of and I'm going to beat it. And I'm going to invite you in to that life. You know, so that you can live free of, of just always being scared, always being afraid, always feeling beaten, you know. And so he voluntarily went went and faced this one thing that all of us are scared of, and he went, he was all in and it and he died, and then he came back by his own power, and the power that he came back by he put in me and you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know that's really hard for us to internalize it, but we meet in these in this in these ways that we might keep internalizing it because I, I'm, not doing, I'm not killing it in this area, I'm struggling, but I wanna walk in the knowledge and the power that the thing I'm the most scared of, all the stuff that, I, that I'm scared of, that stuff submits to him. That stuff all submits to him. And at the cross and in the resurrection, it, it all submitted to him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm gonna play this this last thing and then and then, I'll, then I'm gonna be done. But, but basically, this was me taking all that, you, that I just said to you, and I, was, and I was also in the midst of rediscovering Psalm 23, and it started by, uh, by me saying, you know, whenever I, whenever I see something in the scripture that seems like it's interpreted wrong, you know, I always think, I'm going to look into this because it doesn't sound right. And I kept seeing he makes me lie down, which is one of the first things that you'll see in, in, in Psalm, Psalm 23. And I thought, maybe, it, maybe, that's just a scripture, maybe that's just a translation problem. So I looked all over the different versions, and it all said something like, he makes me. And so I just started thinking, I wonder if the whole passage is him kind of like taking charge of my life and saying, I want to show you something, but I'm going to force you, because if, if I don't make you lie down, you, you're not going to. You're gonna keep chasing and grabbing and clutching and trying to get, trying to get things in your own power. I'm gonna make you lie down and rest and I'm gonna show you peace. And so then he takes, you, he takes me by this quiet stream. He says, you see that stream? That's what peace feels like. I can give you that, right? And then he goes into the valley of shadow of death and he takes me into that valley with him. And the only reason why I'm comforted, it says I'm comforted by the rod and the staff. Well, that's probably the same rod and staff he used to make me lie down, to be honest. I mean, he was gentle, you know, but he said lie down, you know? And, and then he took that staff into that valley and said, anything that comes at us, I will beat. And then maybe the best part of the whole deal, he makes a meal for me in front of everyone that hates me. And it would be like if we opened up all these windows everywhere, and everyone who wanted to end your life or, or didn't like you showed up and was stuck outside this room in these windows looking in, trying to get in, and we just started serving food and pouring drinks. That's what happened. And it said, he anoints my head with oil. That's what they did for kings. They anointed kings. When, when David was made king, he was anointed with oil. So all that happens in this sort of closed-in space where he's hosting you, right? And, and that's the kind of goodness and mercy that follows me all the days of my life, right? And, it, and that, I'm not saying that all those truths are going to heal you, but man, it ought to change the, 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 the trajectory. It ought to change the outlook for me and you. Mm-hmm. I read a song called Things I, I'm Afraid Of.
2: I am shaking, and my heart's pounding. You always take me, make me lie down in peaceful fields where I can clear my head. Cause I get so overcome with anxiety Like there's an enemy living inside of me Like a mocker yelling out telling lies to me And I don't feel brave but I don't have to be Cause I walk through the valley of shadows And it scared me half to death But showing with me everywhere I go So I don't give up yet My fear would surely kill me If I didn't know the truth The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. My emotions turn against me, not faith, no reason could convince me that you have patience left to fight for me. My depression is affecting every ounce of me I can get the medication and the counseling Still I can hear the fear calling out to me And I don't feel brave but I don't have to be Cause I walk through the valley of shadows And it scared me half to death But you're with me everywhere I go So I don't give up yet My fear would surely kill me If I didn't know the truth The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you, you prepare a table for me, right in front of my worst enemies, and you're as calm and relaxed as can be, there's no place where the demons won't find me, but just wait till they see who's standing behind me. I walked through the valley of shadows, and it scared me half to death, but you me everywhere I go, so I don't give up yet, my fear would surely kill me, if I didn't know the truth, the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you, oh, I walk through the valley of shadows, and it scared me half to death, but you're with me. So I don't give a hit, my fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you.
0: Thanks. Nice work. Uh, Here's the thing is in dealing with the power of sin, you're dealing basically trying to sort out the lies from the truth, the lies from the truth. The, and it all happens right up here in your head, this thing that we're talking about. And one of the greatest resources that we can give you, you, you were talking about this the last time that you were here, but uh, you go on leavener.com and you look up and there's the identity verses, there's 75 verses there. And you need to pull those things up, print them out, whatever. And you need to pray those over your kids. You need to pray those over your spouse. You just need to read them. You need to get them in front of there because this is what the scripture says about you that's true. And it's the way that you overcome the power of sin. Not anything that we've said up here, but I truly believe the name of Jesus and, those, and, and the, the word of God right there will speak truth and put it up here to overcome those thoughts that are coming. Uh, it was kind of cool sitting there last night. I'm going to pray for you two real quick because I think the Lord's doing something in uh, their lives that we saw uh, just in the discussion about Levener and uh, what's going on in Nashville. And they actually had friends that were texting them at the same time that we were having this conversation. And so uh, they may be pulling some of this together, on, and we're just trusting the Lord with that. So, Lord, I pray for my friends, Ross and Stacy, that you would continue to, uh, one, give us wisdom, and give us understanding, and give us peace about this journey that we're on together, that you somehow, some way, can continue to convey this message to their friends, that they can build relationships there in Nashville, and to be able to get this truth out, and to impact the lives of those that they hang out with on a daily basis. So thanks for letting them be here today just to to be open and honest with us. And um, we know that your word reigns true and brings us victory, that we can walk victoriously as believers. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.